Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and welcome to season two of the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with strong leaders from all over the globe. Here, you will learn from peers you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolbox. Because whether you're a C-suite executive or a first-time entrepreneur, we all contend with challenges and there's always room for improvement if we choose to seek it. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I always get excited when I'm starting a new interview, but I, I have a special place in my heart for, for fellow Canadians. And we're traveling just a little, a little bit down the highway to Toronto today. And I'm excited to introduce you to Peter Dietz. He is a fellow entrepreneur. He is committed to creating what he calls enduring companies. And I love his heart-centeredness approach for people, but also our planet. So Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, and it's interesting how our paths cross because I was, I was in a virtual conference with your partner and, you know, it leads from one conversation to another and then here we are. So I'm glad that you reached out and I'm excited to interview you. So if you're ready, I'm ready to jump into my questions. Let's dive in. One of the things that I really love about your company, which is called Unwrap It, and we'll put all the details below in the episode description, is you have a passion for social innovation. And I love doing my due diligence and research to see who you are and and your academic path and, and kind of where you've gone both as someone working as an employee to becoming an entrepreneur. So my question is, share with us the backstory of where your love of social innovation came from. I like to tell the story of like formatively what, what shaped me. And, 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 and I think that more than anything determines what directions people go in. So I, I got into business out of, I think, just an innate interest in it, like a, an attraction to creating things and building things. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. I also had a strong Quaker influence um, in my upbringing, uh, which promotes social justice and social activism. I come from a family that has politically divided, but loving relationship between mom and dad. Uh, So there was a left, you know, word leaning lens to our household, as well as a right word conservative leaning lens. And I think all of these influences and others force me to think about if I'm interested in business, how can it also be about more than business, right? So how can there be social activism and social justice baked in? And how could I create things that both my, my mother, who is sort of the more leftward leaning, and my father, who is the more conservative, could be proud of and, and point to and say that their, their son worked on that. So it's, it's in that that I, that I found social innovation and social entrepreneurship. And it, it felt like a, a perfect fit right from the start. And it's, it's always interesting how our parents and our upbringing and even our immediate and extended family or members of the community can have such an influence on us. So it sounds like you grew up in a fun household. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the idea of coherence uh, <laughs> instead of complexity uh, is very novel and uh, not familiar with it, which probably also helped 
prepare me for the complexities of business. And which is an understatement as we continue to navigate unprecedented times. So I love that. You're well equipped. Now, my second question has permanent residence on the show because I think it's so important that we showcase and highlight and share with others our imperfection. So what imperfections do you bring to your heart-centered leadership? So I, I'm deeply imperfect. I um, came across the term, was it, I can't pronounce it correctly, but the imperfect is perfect. Uh, I think a Japanese uh, proverb, uh, and that resonates. You know, I think I know that I can get very stuck in the human element of uh, not hurting feelings, not being perceived in one way or another way. And, and that outward orientation is something I've had to work on and um, temper so that I can focus also on making sound business decisions and, and being clear in, in, in a direction I think uh, an initiative I'm working on should go in or could go in. Um, so that kind of fear of what others think is, is, I would say, part of my imperfections and I'm working on it. I think strategic thinking and orientation is something I've developed over time, uh, but it wasn't innate uh, there at the beginning. Uh, so I've worked on that. Um, and then also, you know, as I find in podcasts, uh, my own presentation and uh, how I convey emotion and excitement is something I've, I've struggled with. What I feel inside doesn't always come through my voice uh, and body language. So I've, I've found and developed ways to be more embodied in, in how I express myself. You know, it's, it's such a great question. And I've had some similarities among the 130 leaders I've interviewed to date. And I think we all struggle with fear in some form or capacity or when you're building something you know, comparing yourself to someone else, it's probably one of the, it's one of the top three that most leaders have shared with me. And I mean, we're all imperfect human beings and we're all here to grow and evolve each day. So once you know where your imperfections are, that's the only way you can start working on them, but none of us are ever going to elevate to perfection. That's the best part. I do not struggle with, with, with being vulnerable, though. That part uh, comes through very quickly and innately, and I think that does create, helps to create connection. Uh, but I've never been especially good or perfect at not being vulnerable in front of a team or a client or a, a partner. And I think that that realness uh, is, is part of um, what I draw strength from. Absolutely. Absolutely, it is. And, and modeling that, and that's part of, I think having heart-centered qualities in your leadership arsenal for sure. So I know 10 years ago that you started your first company called Grant Book. And I'd like to go back to Peter 10 years ago. And if the Peter today could give him advice, and we'll parallel this question, if you were going to give a younger version of self or even mentoring a younger person, what advice or leadership qualities do you think a young leader needs today in a new startup? Great question. Um, I am a big pro proponent of um, personal work and doing the personal work to be able to show up for others. And so the, the best advice I can give any new entrepreneur, whatever their age, is, is to, to find um, a psychotherapist as quickly as possible <laughs> and a support worker and a team that's going to help you through the highs and lows of starting a business. Uh, so in my case, I was fortunate enough to 
actually sign myself up for weekly uh, therapy sessions uh, close to where, you know, I was running grant book from. And I think the, the strengths and, and lessons learned from that personal work uh, was invaluable to navigating complex relationships in, in work. So that's number one. You know, don't think that's a nice to have uh, doing the, the personal growth with professional support is, is essential, required uh, for the journey. And then, you know, I think with Grantbook, uh, which, which provides digital consulting and, and support to philanthropic organizations, foundations, uh, primarily in the U.S. and Canada, uh, we were lucky to have found product market fit very early on or service market fit since it's a professional services company. And so I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle to find that fit. And the advice I would give is just keep tweaking and adjusting and interviewing and empathizing with your eventual customers instead of giving up, right? So just figure out and continue to scratch at what it is they need from your company in order to therefore provide something of value. I think we all can go back and look at our our days and our months and our years in entrepreneurship. I mean, I still can't believe I've been in business for 31 years. And you think about day one when you made the decision to, to take the leap of faith. And there's always hills and valleys. And I love that the vulnerability that you showed because many guests on the show have talked about having coaches and different types of therapists. And it is hard to navigate some relationships in business, especially if you're the new kid on the block. And networking has changed. I don't need to tell you that. We're in a completely different world of networking now. And I think heart-centered leadership is needed more than ever. So thank you for being so honest. And you know, it takes one conversation like this to change someone's life that might be listening, that might be thinking of starting a business. Now, your top three phrases that came to your mind when I asked you, what do you think leadership is? And you were asked to give me three words. You listed authenticity, empathy, and resilience. Tell us how those landed up in your leadership arsenal. And did you have a boss either good, bad, or indifferent? And is there a little bit of a backstory that you can share with us for how you put those as your top three? I completely agree with myself. Um, <laughs> I don't remember exactly writing those and I'm sure I did because uh, they are my touchstones. How I came to them is a good question. So resilience, I think, is a complex word uh, necessarily. It's, it's, it's another version of it is grit and just you know perseverance. But particularly in a complex system like the world we live in, in unless you have resilience, unless you are able to adjust uh, course and, and find a center of gravity when everything is changing, it's, it's very hard uh, to, to survive personally and, and as a company. The other two as well, uh, I think we've already spoken to, to a degree. Where this all came from is a really good question. I don't know. I have been able to have great mentors uh, who have encouraged me uh, to, to really develop this side of my leadership. I think back to a project uh, company, I guess you could say, although it was never incorporated, that I worked on before Grantbook. Uh, and my, my co-founder, co-director of that project came out of a complexity sciences uh, perspective uh, kind of study. Uh, and we were, we were building a platform that would connect all social action opportunities across the world uh, through technology. 
Um, and so she, in particular, as Christine Egger, taught me about, I think, all three of those, those phrases, um, particularly resilience, particularly authenticity, and particularly empathy. And so I, th- I think she, I was a, in my late 20s, she was um, older. And uh, I think she had an enormous impact on how I approach and think about you know, the work businesses are out to do. And, and does she know this? Have you ever told her this? I have not more, uh, I would think, uh, but it wouldn't hurt to reach out and tell her again. Uh, she now works as a Reiki practitioner uh, and has developed a way to deliver Reiki remotely uh, to, to her customers um, in the pandemic. But I think she was working on it even previous to that. So yeah, I should definitely reach out and, and reiterate how grateful I am for her, her mentorship and, and friendship. It's, um, it's always interesting how we all have that one mentor in our life. And uh, I, the gentleman that really changed the trajectory and pushed me to be an entrepreneur at 24, um, I just lost him a couple of years ago to mm-hmm. cancer. But just, you know, talking about him and keeping his legacy alive uh, allows me to stay aligned with being heart-centered because we all have that mentor that's really changed our lives and our trajectory in some cases. So. That's really a beautiful story. Okay, I'm going to switch to my fab four. Mm-hmm. Four fun questions about Peter. We want to know what's sitting on the top of that mind of yours. So first question, tell us something that we don't know about you. I, you know, I spent my 20s not really working professionally. I made ends meet. I supported myself, uh, but I also traveled a lot and worked as, I guess, a freelancer building websites and uh, supporting different, mostly nonprofit organizations in different capacities that gave me a taste of being a digital nomad early on. I guess that was the early 2000s. Uh, so that's a little known about me. Um, and I think it was really important because it allowed me to follow my nose and just sort of pursue the things I was interested in, even if they were not directly connected to a professional career. You know, when I hit 30, I, I made a, f- a fast and hard pivot to, to having gainful employment and, and being sort of professional, more professional in my pursuits. Um, but I'm so grateful to myself that I did have that time to explore and develop my ethos and values. When we think about how I ended up in social innovation, I think uh, in addition to what I mentioned previously, just surrounding myself with you know, passionate people working on the things that were of greatest interest to them in a non-commercial capitalist sort of environment was crucial, right? That that was very formative to me. It all kicked off with me right out of university, working as a horse and carriage driver uh, in the old port of Montreal, which uh, I thought made perfect sense because I just studied history. But uh, I don't know that many would-be entrepreneurs, you know, find themselves doing that right out of university. Um, But for those who are, I would say you're on the right track. Well, and it's interesting as a coach because you meet so many people at different stages and ages of their life and you're in the no regret zone. You, you took that time, you followed your nose. I love that phrase. And there's many people who feel that the discipline and structure has to continue and there's never any time to just ebb and flow with life. I like to call it life by design. And I was very similar to you. And I like to compare it to the, to the first job. We've all been a server or a bartender or a horse and carriage driver. Those are some of the most meaningful conversations that you can just 
kind of pole vault yourself back and, and you're right there in the memories and you just cannot put enough emphasis or value on a meaningful conversation when you connect with somebody. And even if it's for that short moment of in your scenario, the carriage ride, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that, that you followed your nose because you landed up being really where you wanted to be. So cool. So cool. This is true. Okay. Second question, share with us a book that you have read that really impacted your life and why. I, I think I think Creativity Inc. If we're talking personal, professionally, uh, had a big influence. This was a book I read uh, with with my co-founder of Grant Book at the time, and it gave us language to think about creativity within a business and and how Pixar specifically did that. And you know, it really speaks to the power of story and the importance of like being able to gut check whether a story has emo- emotional pulls and and has the right arc to it. And I think there were a number of concepts in that book, Creativity Inc., that really helped us build a grant book into a bigger business and is now helping with Unwrap It. And so that one professionally had a big impact on me. Personally, I, I'm struggling to come up with the one that I would want to highlight, which is too bad because I'm sure there are books that have, have, have made an enormous impact on me uh, personally, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Well, and, and even the one that you spoke about creativity, Inc., it anchored you right back in the moment of starting your first company. And as soon as we get off this recording, the one, the personal one's going to pop in your mind. So you can always send me an email and we can add it into your podcast episode description. There's always room for additions. Hey, third question. If I could give you one wish right now for the world, what would it be? If you could grant me one wish for the world right now, what would it be? And it's great that you use the word world um, because it, that is where my wishes and thoughts are at the moment, you know, from an ecological and sustainability perspective. Um, I did remember the book and I'll share it in a second. The uh, wish I would, I would ask you to grant is that you know, we find a way as a society, as a civilization, as peoples, to embrace uh, sustainability and specifically the circular economy thinking in how we approach our businesses, particularly their supply chains and, and the stuff we rely on, the products that we produce. The majority of carbon emissions, the majority of activities that are, are negatively affecting biodiversity come out of industry and business. And so if you could magically transform the world into one that you know, abides by circular economy concepts and uh, allows business to grow, Uh, and thrive, but in a way that doesn't come at the expense of planet. That is a great answer. Okay. Tell us the book you remember. Uh, The World to Come um, by, I think, Dara Horn, uh, to confirm the author. Uh, But this is a book uh, uh, that draws on Jewish um, traditions or concepts. Uh, And um, my wife and I read it uh, before we were married. Uh, and it tells the story of how babies are formed first by their ancestors while they're in the womb. And then just before being born, uh, a fairy comes and bops them on the head and they forget everything. But prior to birth, they have complete wisdom and knowledge of eternity. Mm-hmm. And our entire lives are a process of regaining that wisdom and knowledge. Uh, and that book, you know, set us up to become baby makers and gave us language to talk about why we were so excited about that project. Oh, that's interesting. Well, I'm excited to share this episode with our listenership. Uh, so if people haven't heard of you, there's 42 countries that now are going to know about you. I love 
your love for sustainability for the planet. I love your innovation and your progression. And I just love what you bring to the world of philanthropy. I think if we all had a little bit more philanthropy, we might have a different slant on the world as well. So thank you for sharing your your time and expertise with me today, but more importantly, your heart. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show. We're going to uh, close the show out with me asking you the last question. And I'd like you to finish this sentence for me. Heart-centered leadership is? Heart-centered leadership is hard. You've been listening to the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I'm Deb Crow. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. And I'd love it if you'd visit my website at debcrow.com where you can sign up for my newsletter and get access to the Heart-Centered Leadership Toolkit, all free of charge. Thanks for your time and we'll see you again.